CME, where we interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about your methods, solutions, and outlook in the space. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next episode of GRC and Me. My name is Suyin Liao, and I am our VP of Customer Success and Services here at Logicate. I get the pleasure of overseeing our implementation services, professional services, customer success teams, all of the wonderful folks that our customers here at Logicate get to work with their risk cloud platforms. And today I am very happy to be guest hosting GRC and me with one of our rock star customers, Stephen Crouch from Texas Mutual. Stephen, thank you for being here today. And uh, could we start off with you telling us a little bit about your background in governance, risk, and compliance? Sure. Uh, yeah, thanks, Suyin. Uh, happy to be here. So my background in GRC, well, I do have a finance background. I've worked in the healthcare services for several years, had a bit of insurance exposure from doing that. When I moved over to Texas Mutual Insurance, they specifically do workers' compensation insurance and was hired on as a, a risk analyst and quickly got involved with our vendor risk management program. From there, we, we had already established our relationship with Logic Gate a few months before I had gotten there, but uh, we put out our vendor risk management platform first. And from there, we were able to uh, find a few things that we needed to tweak and uh, Correct. But yeah, that was uh, really how I got my exposure into uh, GRC right there from the beginning. It was about three years ago when that happened. So yeah, it's still fairly new to me. Fairly new, but also it feels like the three years have, uh, yeah, it's flown by. And it's been really exciting to see how you all have evolved your vendor risk management program over the years. So we're excited to dive into some of that with you today. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Uh, would you mind starting with just sharing what your current vendor risk management or third-party risk management process looks like today at Texas Mutual? So we uh, currently are in the process of bringing on uh, one of our uh, former IT security reviewers, if you want to call them that, that they serve now in a role specific to BRM where they are helping out with uh, contract reviews and reviewing compliance for uh, security protocols. We also have some uh, contributions from our architecture, our enterprise architecture group. And the, uh, the rest of our company, we try and raise a, an awareness as far as uh, risk culture. And so anybody that has an involvement with the vendor, we refer to them as our business contacts. They really own the relationship with the vendor and take a lot of the burden, the work off my plate by helping further that relationship with the vendor, making sure that when we are needing to uh, assess the risk of any vendor, that they're able to reach out to that vendor, any documentation, if we're sending the vendor a questionnaire, making sure that that's completed in a timely process. Other people that are involved in the process would be the leadership, specifically the chief risk officer who I work under and making sure that our policies and procedures are in line with the company's risk appetite is from an enterprise level. The uh, 
another role that we refer to as our executive sponsor. It's really the person who owns the budget or is in, in charge of paying for the, whatever product or solution that we're using. And anytime if uh, an exception comes up where something might not exactly within our policy, we have a process for creating an exception for like one-time events. And so anytime like an exception pops up, then we get these, the, these leadership positions involved with making sure that we're okay, that it doesn't necessarily fit our policy, but it is within our risk appetite and we're okay with moving forward with giving that vendor a stamp of approval, if you will. Fantastic. Well, definitely sounds like you all have a lot of good buy-in across different stakeholders, different groups at different levels in the organization um, as part of your vendor risk management program, which is a really critical thing to make sure you can build that, that culture of risk awareness and risk management that you spoke to. However, one of the, the things that I know, you know, I think I've heard from you and some of our other customers, it sometimes can be challenging with having multiple different stakeholders or groups involved in a process. Sometimes there can be some misalignment per se, or, or um, you know, just different understandings of definitions throughout the process. And one of the things that you, you've shared with me in the past, Stephen, is that there was a particular definition that you all have at Texas Mutual around a critical vendor and what qualifies as a critical vendor. Could you explain to our listeners what that term means at Texas Mutual and why maybe in the past there's been some confusion around that term? Right. Yeah, this has just recently become a, a hot topic for our risk office. The use of the word critical means different things around the company. And so whenever uh, my colleague is uh, putting together her business continuity plans with each department, they have what are called critical business functions, and it's really specific to the department. So it's critical to them, but not necessarily critical to the company as a whole, where it's uh, it might impact an internal function is how we would describe it. But a critical vendor, uh, the definition that we're trying to, to hone in on is something that affects our operations or our ability to service our policyholders, not necessarily uh, like a supplemental service, because there's like a, a few perks and benefits that we offer our policyholders, but really what affects our ability to write a policy, to underwrite it, to service those claims, to be able to make payments, because the last thing we want is one of our policyholders to be twiddling their thumbs, waiting for a check to come in the mail. Anything that uh, is going to directly affect our ability to do those things. So then you start getting into things that uh, that run off of our network, the infrastructure and hardware that supports those type of things. That's all things that we would consider critical to the business. There's a few things that we try and take out of there, similar to uh, what I described as like a supplemental service, like a benefit or a perk that we add to our policyholders. It would be something that we label as regulatory, where we have to use this vendor. And sometimes we say, are they really even a vendor if it's a, a legal body or entity that uh, we have to report to? We don't really have a choice. It's something that we have to do. So it's not like we're going to send them a, a questionnaire. So yeah, we're trying to account for things of that nature as well. So for anything that doesn't meet any of the descriptive terms that I've used, we just say that's not critical. So it could be anything from um, possibly a, a janitorial staff or um, 
recently recategorized anything that had to do with our facilities to not be critical since we have a work from home policy for uh, company wide now. So yeah, we're always trying to uh, reassess what uh, these categorizations are and what vendors being labeled as what. Makes total sense that those definitions could change over time as the world around us is changing and evolving. So yeah, that reassessment motion is really important. And that's a good example you shared of, of why we need to be revisiting our definitions over time. Kind of in line with that, you know, obviously the past few years, we've all been going through a lot of change and um, new experiences with the pandemic and just everything else going on in this world. As Texas Mutual's business has evolved over time and, and you know, figured out how they need to adjust to those changes. How have you seen your third-party risk management program change from a people, process, technology perspective? What are some of those evolution pieces looking like? Yeah, once I took over the vendor risk management role that we have within our risk office, I started to look at what we could revamp, where things could be improved. And the first thing that I came up with is identifying that we want to capture what's called inherent risk up front. What do we know about this vendor? What risk can we already identify? And then whatever questions that we would then want to ask the vendor, reach out to them to get more information, to get a more complete look at the risk. That gives you what your residual risk is, whatever responses they give back. Because the, the vendor more often than not can provide the mitigation that you're needing to see if they're within your risk appetite. So once we identified being able to capture the inherent risk and then having a, a score for the residual risk afterwards, we then decided that it would be appropriate to, if we're sending a vendor a questionnaire, we want to be able to see where, uh, create a spectrum for each one of the questions that we're going to send them. For example, if we're asking a vendor to look at their financial statements, what are the things that we're looking for? And then providing a score to show where they fall within the our risk appetite and using calculations to then compile a score that will tell us whether if the vendor is not within our risk appetite. This then will lead us to future decisions that are going to be made down the road. The main one is if the vendor does not really pose a, a large risk and there's no real concerns that get raised during the review process, then the reassessment that we're going to send out will be later down the road. But if it's something that is a a vendor that has access to data, let's say, or they are a critical vendor, then we're wanting to review them on a more frequent basis. So the scoring was the real, the first big change that we did when we were starting to revamp our BRM process. There have been a few other things, just trying to tweak user, make things more user friendly. The other things we've reached out to our stakeholders internally to see how we can make things more user-friendly for the employees that we have at Texas Mutual. A lot of that came down to making things more discoverable using different table reports. So our stakeholders at Texas Mutual could quickly identify which vendors are held up in the questionnaire process, what vendors are coming up for a new assessment in the near future, and 
being able to quickly identify what action items do I have as a risk owner for these vendors. The one that we've most recently done is linking up our business continuity plans with vendor risk management. So if you have a critical vendor that's entered in our VRM system, it should show up as a critical business function within BCP. And sometimes people leave things out. We just wanted to reconcile all that together so it makes sense and we can account for everything. See, that's what where my accounting background came into play here. I wanted to make sure everything ties out. That's mainly the thing that we've been working on. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely lots of parallels for sure between, you know, the kind of the systematic approach you need to take in accounting and vendor risk management. You know, with some of those those different changes you've talked about that you made in the program with scoring and making things more discoverable and driving more of that visibility and connectivity between BCP and TPRM. Have you seen any impacts or results yet, Stephen, um, in terms of the process being more efficient or more effective or just having more engagement from stakeholders? Have you all been able to see those results yet? So as a result, the changes that we've made the stakeholders, first off, have just been more engaged with what's actually going on with their vendors. They're not just paying the bills and letting the vendors do their things. They are engaging in the relationships. We That has also raised awareness to what kind of contracts do we have with each of these vendors. And we're running a fine-tooth comb over those because we know what's at stake now. So that risk awareness is definitely running through the, the blood of our company. The other thing is we're identifying where the flaws in our current system are. Like I mentioned before with the whole issue with what is a critical vendor, things like that are coming up. So we're trying to make things consistent, making sure that the language that we use makes sense to people because a lot of individuals, the business contacts, as we call them, were asking questions. They would come to me and ask, I'm not sure what to categorize this as. So continually refining those definitions because it's a dynamic function of our company. Vendor risk management is going to be changing for the foreseeable future, as far as I can tell. But the other thing that I've noticed that has paid off is once we're identifying where those bottlenecks are and our process, the aging for when something is sitting in a certain review step, those, uh, outstanding days are definitely shrinking so that we're turning around these reviews a lot faster than we were before. That's great. Yeah, really glad to hear that both efficiency and engagement have picked up overall because of those those evolutions you all have made over time. When you think about where Texas Mutual wants to take your risk management program going forward, what are some of the major goals that you all have defined for the rest of 2022? Right. So I mentioned that we were working to link up our business continuity process with our third-party risk management, making sure that everything ties out there, that all of our critical functions are being linked up. The other big thing that we're looking at is risk quantification. And we are fortunate enough that our IT security group is really wanting to do this as well. They're backing this effort. And so we're exploring how we're going to put that together because at the end of the day, if we can say that uh, a certain vendor poses a risk, but what is actually going to be the dollars and cents of the risk that we're taking on? If 
let's say if a breach happened, what is the monetary value of that? How much would we have to pay in damages? As we see that breaches are becoming more and more common through third parties, we have to say that it's within our risk appetite to use a cloud service. Uh, we keep our, our data on the cloud and there is a possibility that there could be a breach and we're doing everything that we can to prevent those things. But we have to know how much is too much of a risk if a vendor is not doing their due diligence as far as putting their security protocols into place, then we're not going to use them. And so there's certain things that we've specifically stated in our risk policy that if a vendor is not meeting these things, we will not do business with them and we will transition away from them. Yeah, just having those the clarity on where your threshold is is really important. And certainly what you said about you know, the desire to be able to articulate risk in dollars and cents more is something we're hearing from a lot of our customers. So it makes a lot of sense that you all are interested in diving deeper into risk quantification. What are some of the other metrics when you think about quantifying risk and, and being able to communicate to other folks about risks in your TPRM program at more of a numeric and quantifiable level? What are some of the other key metrics that you all track? at Texas Mutual. We're working to just build out a risk register of all the different risks that we have at Texas Mutual. And a lot of those have to do with the third parties. And anytime that we're bringing a vendor into the picture, we put a whole list of all the risks that can happen if this vendor goes bankrupt, if there's a data breach, like I mentioned before. And what are the severity or the likelihood of those things happening? Those are really the two things that really feed into that risk quantification that we're looking to get at. So these are basically plugging in all the variables that allow you to perform that risk quantification. And so the metrics that we're looking at is how many vendors do we have that reach that top threshold of severity? How many vendors or specifically how many critical vendors do we have that have a high likelihood of something bad happening? And how can we mitigate those things? The other thing that we're looking to put into place is to track how have we lessened our risk exposure because we have our risk appetite. Let's say it's sitting right there in the middle of the spectrum. How can we get it to shift further to the green, if you will? We want it to take on as little risk as possible, making sure that we're operating our risk office in an efficient manner. But yeah, how can we lessen our risk appetite? And how can we lessen our risk exposure and tracking that over time? So that would be something to throw in a graph that as you can see that risk lessening, that's going to make any board member happy to see that. Yeah, all really powerful numbers that help to communicate the impact of that risk. When you think about building that risk culture and you know the buy-in that you all have been able to get from other stakeholders within the Texas Mutual business for TPRM. How have you all done that? How have you gotten those stakeholders to really care about third-party risk management and vendor risk management? Right. Yeah, it, it took quite a bit of time to build out the relationships with all the business contacts because everybody's busy. Everybody's got a lot of stuff on their plate. And then here I come in saying, all right, all right, guys, we are going to put in a VRM program and I'm going to need all y'all's help tracking all these different things 
establishing contact with the vendors to make sure that we can get answers for the questions that we have. And so for the first year, it did take a lot of effort to reach out to the vendors that we needed to send questionnaires to and get those completed and review those, figure out what this risk is. But then once that upfront work was completed, then it made it a lot easier for us going forward to just say, we already have the answers. We can reach back out to the vendor and say, what if this has changed? And can you provide us new documentation if necessary? We're also able to identify the vendors that were not responsive to the questionnaires, figure out what vendors didn't need one that we may have sent one to, and doing all the upfront work. It was a bit time consuming, but everybody at our company agrees now that we're in the second year of this, that all of our vendors have uh, been assessed. It's a lot easier. The process is almost automatic at this point, other than having to go and review the new documentation that comes back out. The other thing that I would add is that we've uh, put together workshops to educate our stakeholders. That really gets people thinking because they like to hear stories about businesses that didn't pay attention to their risk culture. And look what happened to them. It gets people thinking about, what are the things that I do at our company that affect the risk appetite that we have? Because uh, it doesn't matter what level you are in the company. You could be the CEO or you could be a, a first-year analyst. You are exposed to risk one way or another. And so getting people thinking about that really opens their eyes and it gives them the assurance that you have value at this company, whether you realize it or not. So I think most people, when they leave our risk workshops, they have a good feeling and they want to help us, which is good. Before, like I said, when VRM just showed up out of nowhere, a lot of people were like, oh, this is just another thing I have to add to my plate of something to do. But yeah, the attitudes have definitely changed, I think. Other thing that I would add is just working with our uh, our vendors we want to make sure that our business contacts are able to delegate the responsibilities that we identified that there's a few individuals at texas mutual that were responsible for like 20 to 30 vendors which is not something that any i don't think anybody could actually manage that many relationships so we encourage them to delegate these out to other people to let them help you with these uh, so that if there's any issues that arise, they'll come to you and let you know. But making sure that we can get other people involved in the process has been a big help. Yeah, absolutely. 20 to 30 vendors could be a full-time job, huh? Just managing managing all of that risk. And we're going to have to hire on new people just to cover them. <laughs> yeah, I also love what you shared about the risk workshops you all hosted. I think the the power of storytelling and being able to really help folks understand this is real, this has happened to other people. And like you said, uh, that they as an individual really can contribute to making an impact and um, ensuring that we're all doing the right thing for our companies and our, our customers by understanding our role in the process. So I love that you all you all did those workshops. That's great. When you think more broadly, Stephen, about how Texas Mutual has been utilizing their LogicGate Risk Cloud platform to build out the TPRM program, build out your BCP program. 
Are there any other benefits that you can think of that you have experienced in getting your processes into a holistic GRC platform? Being able to tie our risk register and our business continuity plans and our vendor risk management or third-party risk management programs all together, trying to document everything has been a challenge. But I do think that once you get that documentation, you can start to do reporting on it and assessing where your company stands. What's the exposure that, at least for our company, what's the exposure that we have to cloud services? How dependent are we on these third parties to do our business? I've seen a lot of lists of like top 10 risks for the insurance industry or just top 10 for Fortune 500 companies. And dependency on cloud services or third parties is usually in the top five. And the risk that goes along with those is usually number one being data breaches and cybersecurity. So being able to know what your risk is, I think that's why Texas Mutual put together an enterprise risk management group to begin with is because they wanted to know these things. And so I found value in my role as being able to help provide an answer for what that actually is. The ability to document all these things and provide some value to our company, I mean, it's not going unnoticed. I think people are now becoming more appreciative of what's actually going on. That's fantastic. Love to hear that. And uh, being able to connect the dots between you know, things that to other folks, they might think of it as, well, you know, we've got risks over here. We've got our vendors over here. We need to come up with these plans that this team is asking us to make. But when we can really help them to see that bigger picture of how it all fits together and how it really does impact the broader business, it's great to hear that you, you've all been able to get some more of that, that buy-in under, understanding with your stakeholders at Texas Mutual. Fantastic. Sounds good. Thanks, Stephen. Really appreciate it. To learn more about RiskCloud's third-party risk management solution, visit logicate.com. And while you're there, download our ebook, How to Make Your Work Life Exponentially Easier with a Holistic GRC Program.